We are in the middle of a very Methodist series right now. We are using the questions that John Wesley posed to early Methodists to analyze our spiritual lives. And that's why this message series is called The Spiritual Life. The first couple of weeks, we looked at the topic of um, sin and where we missed the mark. And last week, we looked at the things that distract us from God, the things that tempt us away from focusing on God. And we're going to continue today with a third question that John Wesley posed. But I'm going to switch his question up a little bit for the purpose of this message. The question that he asked was, do I pray about the money I spend? And that's a fine question to ask, but I am more concerned with us as a church talking about how are we generous. And we can be generous with more than our money. I don't like that John Wesley's question, not that it's my place to question John Wesley, he was a you know, big kahuna in Methodism, but... Um, I think that generosity involves more than how we spend our money. And while we should pray about how we spend our money, we should also pray about how we can be generous in spirit with people. There are many characteristics and, and things that we can share with others that are as important as sharing our money. Things like sharing our love with those who feel unloved, sharing kindness and patience with people who try our patience. And we all have those, right? Anybody here never have their patience tried by anyone? How, how many of you here sometimes have your patience tried by the people you love the most? Yes, good. We're all in the same boat. One of the things God calls us to share with others is forgiveness. And that can be really hard, especially if we feel like we've been wrong. But sharing forgiveness demonstrates a generosity of spirit. We can also encourage someone who's feeling discouraged, and we can give grace and compassion to those who are grieving. And so I think when we look at this, this idea of generosity, we need to um, expand our horizons beyond money. Because here at St. Paul, one of our core values is that, that um, the heart of God is generosity, and God doesn't give us money. God gives us so much more than money. He gives us things, um, love and forgiveness and grace and redemption. And so we need to be like God in that respect. We receive those things from God and we need to pass them on. And today's text will help demonstrate that. We're going to uh, turn to Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth where he was writing to a church that was fairly well-to-do. And his purpose, one of his purposes in writing, was to encourage them to complete the plan they had initiated earlier to make a financial gift to the church in Jerusalem. The early um, Jesus-following church in Jer Jerusalem was desperately poor. Christians, Christ followers in Jerusalem were being persecuted. Churches were um, actually being held in homes. The people were living in abject poverty. 
And so Paul had undertaken a mission to have other churches who were, that were farther out, churches that he uh, was planting, support them. And to encourage the church in Corinth to do this, he gave them an example of another church that was much more poor than they were. And this is what he had to say. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. See, Paul's talking here in a couple of key words and phrases about more than just reaching in our wallets and giving money. He describes first how the people at this poor church in Macedonia gave joyfully. They were happy to be able to help brothers and sisters in Christ. They gave sacrificially. He used the words, they gave more than they could afford. And lastly, he talked about how they begged to be able to do this. They gave willingly, not under compulsion, not because they felt like they um, had an obligation, but because they recognized how they had been blessed so abundantly by God. And so um, in, in describing giving this way, Paul is reminding us that um, part of our worship, our, when we give our gifts, we are practicing what is um, one component of a robust faith that has other components. Because money can be an incredibly useful tool in our lives, or it can become an idol. And Jesus spoke often about money becoming an idol. Remember the story of the rich young ruler where Jesus, um, a young ruler wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, fine, that's, that's good. Sell all your stuff, give the proceeds to the poor, and come follow me. And the rich young ruler couldn't give himself over to do that. So Jesus reminds us in some very famous words in Matthew chapter 6, this part of the Sermon on the Mount, after the Beatitudes, um, about what we should treasure. And this is what he said. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 17, 1800 years later, John Wesley was worried exactly about that as he wrote about Methodism and this revival that had taken place in the Anglican church where people began to place more emphasis on practicing their faith with a method, these spiritual practices and things that we've been talking about the last few weeks. But this is what he said as he saw Methodism grow and by its very nature prosper. 
He said, I fear wherever riches have increased, the essence of religion, the mind that was in Christ, has decreased in the same proportion. Therefore, I do not see how it is possible for any revival of true religion to continue long. For religion must necessarily produce both industry and frugality, and these cannot but produce riches. But as riches increase, so will pride, anger, and love of the world in all its branches. So what John Wesley is saying as, as, as churches, as denominations become entrenched, as their wealth grows, as they acquire property and buildings, the focus tends to stray from the first purpose, which is, which is to share the gospel and grow in Christ and become Christ-like in our behavior. And we start being distracted by the very things of the church that have to do with possessions and money and wealth. And John Wesley was so concerned about the use of money that he preached a sermon on it where he gave us three rules for um, how we should look at money and handle money. And the first two kind of blew me away when I read them. They were just, they confounded me because they didn't make sense to me until I got to rule number three. So hang in there as we go through this. His first rule is gain all you can. Well, that doesn't fit what I've just been talking about. Gain all you can. Why would he encourage us to gain all we can? Well, his point was, if followers of Jesus gain all they can, then they can control wealth and how it is used in the community and the world. So gain all you can. But then he has a whole laundry list of rules about gaining. Don't gain at the expense of your health so that you're not available to your family. In other words, don't work yourself to death to try to gain. Don't gain at the cost of your soul by gaining your wealth, doing behaviors that are not acceptable in the sight of God. And don't gain at the expense of your neighbors, your workers, if you are a business owner or a boss. Don't gain at the expense of your boss if you're a worker. Don't gain at the expense of other people. In other words, how we gain matters and we need to gain our money, our wealth in ways that honor God because they honor God's call on our lives. His second rule is save all you can. But wait a minute. Didn't Jesus just say, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth? What is this business about saving all we can if we're not supposed to store up our treasures? And he goes on to say, you save all you can by not spending on extravagant, extravagant food, was one of the things he mentioned, extravagant clothing or jewelry. Don't spend on extravagances that make you appear better or more well-off to other people so that you can show off and indulge your pride. Don't, don't save all you can to gain admiration from others. Because when you save for those reasons, you create a cycle where you never have enough. But then comes the kicker. Why are we gaining all we can and why are we saving all we can so we can... Give all we can. 
Give to purposes that honor God, that grow his kingdom, that help the downtrodden, that help alleviate poverty. He says, give all you can. And in that giving, then we had a purpose for the gaining and the saving. You know, too often when we think about giving, um, we think of uh, God as a kind of a, a co-equal expense line in the budget. We think of all the things we have to pay for, and we then decide what we'll give to God. But in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there's words that tell us that we should give God our first fruits. That means our best, our best efforts, our best time, and the first fruits of our labors. In Proverbs chapter 3, we read, Honor the Lord with your wealth while the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with wine. Honor God first and the rest will take care of itself. In Exodus, when Moses was describing all the festivals that Israel would celebrate, he said, you must celebrate the festival of harvest with the first crop of the wheat harvest and celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. But too often, we give God what's left over. And it looks something like this. I bet when you saw this apple, you thought today was going to be all about, um, I don't know, the fruit that was eaten by Eve, but it's not. We're going to use these apples to represent our abundance, our wealth. And so right off the top, Jesus said, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And so 30% or three apples, I'm going to use 10 apples in this demonstration, they pay our taxes in all its forms. And doesn't that just gripe you sometimes? Especially those property taxes. It's an inside joke for those of you who know about what I used to do. Then we have three apples that are used to provide our housing. It takes care of our mortgage payment, our utilities, our homeowner's insurance, repairs, painting, things like that. And then of course, a girl's gotta eat, our guys got to eat, so we need a tenth of our income for food and a little bit of entertainment because, you know, we don't want to be dull. We want to have a little bit of fun. So we're up to 70%. And then we need an apple for transportation. You need gasoline, to, you need a car, you need um, auto insurance, right? So there's a tenth for transportation. And I think we're up to eight right now. And then, of course, we need life insurance, health insurance. Um, we, if we have young children, we might be contributing to their college fund. Um, if we're getting a little older, we might be needing to contribute to our own retirement funds. So there we have a tenth. But good news is there's still an apple left. And that's the tenth that we put over here and we give to God, right? But here's what happens. I'll use myself and some friends and, well, I'll just give you some examples. First example is, I look at my fingernails and toenails and say, I've been cooped up for two years. 
my legs get tired, I really need a pedicure that comes with a massage, and I need to do my nails because I'm professional, and I want to look good for my congregation. So I'm going to borrow a little from God. Or maybe I'm a golfer. Maybe I'm a golfer. And I say, God, thank you for the game of golf. It gave me a chance to meet with my friends and have some recreation during COVID-19. But God, lately I've noticed that everyone's out driving me. My driver's really getting old, God. I need a new big Bertha. I'm going to borrow a little from you. And now we're going to have an awkward pause for a moment while I try to swallow this. And then we're raising children. And our children come home and talk about how their friends at school have all the latest Minecraft games or the, all the Lego sets where they can build dinosaurs and all the things, and, and the, the got to have Nike sneakers that you outgrow in three months. And so parents begin to say, well, I have to provide these things for my children so they will understand that, um, that I love them as much as the other kids' parents love them. I mean, let's te- I'm going to teach my shi- child to keep up with the little Joneses, all right? And what do we do? We take another bite of the apple, and on and on and on. My iPhone's nice. It's the 11, but I want the 13. All right. And then, in the end... What we give God is the apple core instead of the apple. See, this message is really about stewardship. We all get resources, and we all have to choose how we'll use those resources. So right now, I want to bring up a subject that some of us feel a little pained about a subject that some of us have hurting hearts over. And I want to try to cast it for us in a new light. I have watched St. Paul since I've been here be a church that has tried to focus on proper stewardship of its resources. Um, Churches are getting smaller everywhere. Resources are shrinking. Buildings still need to be maintained. And at the beginning of 2021, in the springtime, this church made an amazing decision. And when I talk to pastors of other churches and people I know at other churches, they're amazed that we made a decision as a church to sell our sanctuary and our preschool building, a place that held for us memories that we cherish. We watched our children get married there. We baptized our children there. We had our spouses' funerals there. And it hurt us to make that decision. But today I'd like to suggest to you that that decision was not the desperate act of a church that was going to fail to thrive. It was an act of stewardship that was so generous on the part of its members, of the church members, that it's unbelievable. Other churches have reached out to St. Paul and said, How did you walk your congregation through the need to do this? 
How did you convince 80% of the people who voted to vote that way? And so what I want to say to you today, it hurts. I know it hurts, and it hurts as it's getting closer to a closing. But what our church did last April was say to God, you know, God, we're going to be better stewards today than we've ever been before. We are going to do something that hurts our hearts to make resources available to reach people for Jesus Christ, to raise up young people who can stand before us on a Sunday and sing when our paid staff need to be home. We are going to feed hungry people at open arms, not 100,000 pounds of food, but a million pounds of food in a year. And God, please soothe our hearts because we make this decision to glorify you. So friends, if you're watching today, if you're joining us online, live stream, I welcome you. I'm glad you're joining us. If you're here in this room as a visitor or a, a fairly recent attendee to St. Paul, what I don't want you to hear me saying this morning is, is well, St. Paul's not doing so well, so they had to sell their sanctuary. What I want you to hear me saying today is, this church decided to reprioritize its resources in a way that we can pour resources into hungry people, young people, you the visitor who are looking to a, to a place to call church, to find a church home. We are giving up something we love so that we can make sure you know that you belong here that you are loved, that our personal relationships matter more than any brick and mortar we might own. That's what I hope you're hearing from me today because that's, I think we all need to hear that because I know my heart is not the only heart that hurts about the decisions we've made. But this message today, I hope signals to you that the decisions we made honored God and we're based on godly principles of good stewardship. I want to thank you. Thank you for your honest, your, your honest, prayerful consideration of how you give. Thank you for what you give every week. We, we uh, haven't said anything about offering time today because we're really going to do that now. If you, want to, if you call St. Paul, your church home, and you want to give, you can do it through our app. You can do it online. You can do it in the black boxes that are here in the room. You can mail checks in. And your gifts go toward producing good fruit. Good fruit like the young people you've heard from today. Good fruit like the ministries I've touched on, and I haven't begun to name them all. Today, we're actually going to take some time to pray over and bless your pledges for 2022. And I'd like to uh, invite Kathy and Felix to bring those pledge cards forward right now. I know last week I told you that we um, were behind on our pledges from the year prior. That's still true. But we received a wonderful response from our church family uh, from my bringing that up. And I thank you for that. These cards, I'm going to hold them up and show them to you. They not only um, had a place for you to tell us how you were going to give financially, but there was a place on the card where you could volunteer to serve on Sunday mornings as an usher or a greeter, 
uh, how you can work in children's ministry, student ministry, handicapable ministry, in our outreach ministries, in our caregiving ministries. You could volunteer in the office. And many of the cards came back with people volunteering to give their time and service. So these, these cards represent the people of St. Paul, those of you here, those of you online, giving your first fruits to God. And I hope that you know that in making those hard financial decisions, you have honored God. And I believe you've made God smile. And now I would like to just ask you uh, to bow your heads in prayer as we pray over these gifts, pledges, and commitments to support God's ministries. Almighty God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. Your word says that we should give, that we should give honor to you with the first fruits of our wealth. Accept our tithes and offerings as a gift of worship to you. May our sincere desire to be faithful stewards bring joy to your heart. Enable us to apply biblical principles of stewardship so we can continue blessing others and supporting your ministries. God, tomorrow is a day that we remember Dr. Martin Luther King, and he uttered famous words in Washington, D.C., I have a dream. And as we honor him tomorrow, instill in us a dream that involves the elimination of poverty, the betterment of the downtrodden, the end of racism. Let these gifts we offer to you to be put to a purpose that accomplishes part of that dream that Dr. King spoke about. Thank you, God, for the privilege of partnering with you and each other in the work of ministry. We know that you will bless our efforts for the proclamation of the gospel and the building up of your church. God, our hearts overflow with thanksgiving to you. You are infinitely good to us. Your creation gives us pleasure and supplies our needs for food, water, and light. And you have supplied salvation through Jesus Christ. You supply our spiritual needs through communion with you, through our spiritual gifts, and your indwelling Holy Spirit. We offer ourselves today to you, God. We offer our gifts and ourselves to you as a holy and living sacrifice in union with all that you have sacrificed for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.